0: Uh, Pioneering again and and we we started last week and if you weren't here for our 10th anniversary uh, Please get on the podcast listen to the message brought it back to center talking about jesus jesus the original pioneer And coming into this week had a a a pretty busy week and and god is so good because he orders the steps of the righteous The bible says and and so he knew that uh, the later the the latter part of my week was going to be busy and so monday and tuesday uh, he just laid this word on my heart, which, is, which was awesome for the way that my week played out. And so I'm staying with this Jesus, the original pioneer idea. And I want to talk to you today just for a moment about Jesus pioneered the perfect witness. Jesus pioneered the perfect witness. And, and when, I, when I say witness, let's define witness together. To hear or to know, or to know by personal experience. And so I would submit to you today, uh, not only because of the events of the past week, but just the world that we live in. We say this a lot here. We live in a crazy world. And I believe that there's been no greater time in history than for the church to be the church that Jesus desires us to be to be the people of God, the people of love, the people of knowledge, the people uh, uh, led by the Holy Spirit in in answering questions maybe the world would have of us in this time that we live in. And so I I began to pray early in the week, and and God led me to this this amazing story. And, And as we get into it, we'll read it together. And you may say, Jason, isn't this like an Easter message, or isn't this something like you would preach the week after Easter? Uh, I said that last night. My wife said, every day's Easter. <laughs> and I told her that I did not get an Easter basket every day. So we've got to fix that. But Luke 24, if you have your Bible or your iPad or whatever it is, whatever device you use, if you don't have anything, you can look on the screen here. Luke 24, 13 through 32, we'll read it together and then we'll go back through and break it down. Talking about Jesus pioneering the perfect witness And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Verse 27 And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They ask each other, were not our hearts burning within us while, we, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that uh, your word would, would pierce our hearts today, God, and it would change us so that we could change the community you've placed us in. Lord, I pray that I would do a good job as your servant delivering your word today. God, let your Holy Spirit take it, Lord, and, and distribute it to our hearts today in a real way. In Jesus' name, amen. He pioneered the perfect witness. So, number one, let's get into this. He joined in their journey. He joined in their journey. We'll read it again, Luke 24, 13 through 16, and we'll take it verse by verse. Now, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. On that same day, what day? The third day. So, you have to understand the story is taking place after Jesus has been falsely accused after he's been beaten after he's been crucified after he's given his life after he's been placed in the tomb and after he's risen from the grave on that day these two of them who we must notice here are part of the group who had been with the disciples because they said the women came back to us So we have some firsthand knowledge here. And now we see the two of them very downcast doing what a lot of us only know to do. We go back to what we thought we knew when things that we thought were going to happen didn't happen the way that we thought they should happen. Did you follow that? All right, good. About seven miles from Jerusalem, verse 14. They were talking to each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, I love this because right here, you have to pay close attention to this story because you have to read a story like this, and you can't just read it and say, okay, that's great, Jesus tells him. No, this story didn't even have to be in the Bible, first of all. Jesus could have showed up, hey, guys, it's me, don't be so sad, I'm alive, get back to work, get back to Jerusalem, go back, tell everybody you saw me, okay, I got things to do, go, but he didn't. And this shows the candor of Jesus. And, and to me, Jesus is kind of like, hey, what's going on here? What, do you guys, what are you guys up to? So he, they did not recognize him. So the first thing I have to ask is, have we gotten too important as Christians to, to be to the point or too busy that we have neglected our responsibility to join in others' journey just to join in? In my line of work, I find many times that I get to be involved in people, people's celebrations and I get to be involved with people as they're mourning and everything in between. And I've found in rough times that there sometimes aren't a lot of words in the beginning of those situations. Just being there is all you can do. And as Christ followers and in the day that we live in, you know, there's a responsibility for us Just to join in the journey with those who have not seen the truth yet and we'll get to that Now there is a spiritual lesson there where you do need to be strong enough in the lord To where you don't join in somebody else's journey and they pull you down with them But so first thing we see here is jesus was willing to join in their journey and as he joined in their journey If you look at uh, ephesians 4 2 it says this This is how jesus joined their journey Be completely humble and gentle Be patient, bearing with one another in love. So from the very beginning, we see Jesus joining the two who are downcast, who are sad. He's joining them in their journey, in their sadness, in their time, and he just comes along, and the Bible says he begins to walk with them. He just does life with them. He joins in their journey. He doesn't join in their journey immediately with any advice. He doesn't join in their journey immediately with any, any uh, uh, condemnation. He, he just joins in their journey. And the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 too, we're to do that gently. We're to do that humbly. We're to do that in patience. And we're to do that as we are patient with one another, bearing with one another in love. For God is love and they will know that we are his by our love. And so, so I've got a question for you. Are there people in your life that God has strategically placed you in their life that you could model Jesus in this realm of being a witness to Christ by simply joining in their journey? It's a good question. Number two, he listened to their concerns. Luke 24, 17 through 24, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? Jesus says, What things? He asked about Jesus of Nazareth. They replied, He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. So let's stop right there. So Jesus listened to their concerns. I, I struggled with how to word this point. And again, I know some of you think uh, pastors get on some kind of a website and just download sermons. But I actually pray about these things and I study and, and, I, and I, I, I drive my wife crazy sometimes. And I'll call her like 50 times a day. Like, how does this sound? Like from outside, how does this sound? And she's like, Jason, sounds fine. I have my own life too, you know. No, she never says that. But, but, but he listened to their concerns and how important is it for us to join in the journey of those around us who don't know Jesus uh, and, and necessarily, but also listen to their concerns. And what were their concerns in this moment? It was current events. Their concerns were current events. Their concerns was what was going on in the world. Their, their concern was, haven't you heard what happened in Jerusalem? Haven't you heard what happened to this Jesus? Haven't you heard he was powerful in word and deed before God? Amen. Haven't you heard what's going on? And so they, they, were, they were very concerned. And when you get to verse 21, it says, but we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. So you now you have two of these guys who Jesus enters their journey and he begins to listen to what they're concerned about. They're concerned about current events. They're concerned about what's going on in their world at the time. They're concerned about, and what's going on in their world has led to hopelessness. Because they say, but we had hope, past tense. But we had hoped. But we had hope. they said, he was going to be the one. We had hope he was going to be the Messiah. We had hope he was going to be the one to deliver Israel. We had hoped. And so now we have two people who are very concerned about the way their world's going. And now where they put their hope and where they thought their hope should be in, in their eyes. And by, by human instinct and human knowledge, that hope had let them down. So now current events, hope. And then you go on. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, verse 23, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. So now we have current events, we have hopelessness, and we have mass confusion. Because we find these two guys, and these two guys are on their way home. They've been traveling with Jesus. They've been involved in the revival. They've been involved in what's going on. They've seen. They've, they've been involved in the happenings. But now at this very moment, they're like, oh, what we thought was supposed to happen didn't happen. And even more so now, you know, there supposedly were angels there, but some of the men went back and they didn't see angels, but they saw an empty tomb. So we don't know what's happened to his body. And so we don't know what's going on and we're kind of scared. So we're going to go back home. We're going to go back to what we know, and that's where they were traveling to. They were traveling to their home, about seven miles outside of Jerusalem. So, so this idea of current events, this idea of hopelessness, and this idea of confusion playing together in these two people, and Jesus showing up at the right moment in perfect Jesus fashion, and he joins in their journey. Then he listens to their concerns. Colossians 4, 5 and 6 says this be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So so this idea is going to lead us into the next point, which where we'll spend a lot of our time today, but, but don't skip this. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of what? Grace. Let your, let your conversation always be full of grace. When the New Testament church started growing and you're reading through Acts and, and, and this new grace is being preached and the church is exploding, there's these people that rise up against the, the churches that are, be, that are being planted and the book of Acts recognizes one of them as the synagogue of freedmen. The synagogue of freedmen. And if you research who that is, these were actual people who had been in slavery, who were set free from slavery and had all joined together because they identified with one another. And they they were at the synagogue of freedmen. And when this new grace that was available to everyone began to be preached, they got upset. How ironic is that? The people who were once in slavery are now upset because the Gentiles and other people are now privy and and the grace of God is available to everyone. Wow. Let us be careful not to get so perfect that we forget it took grace to get us where we're at today and it took grace to get us out of bed this morning. Amen. So then seasoned with salt salt does two things it, it brings flavor what it does mostly for me is it makes me thirsty it makes me thirsty and so when, when, I'm, I, I, when we show grace as Christ followers we witness grace we witness the grace that he witnessed and then we also it's seasoned with salt in other words it's seasoned with truth so that you may know how to answer everyone so in other words when, when you act in grace he joined their journey and he listened to their concerns and he didn't downplay them he, he just listened. He listened with grace because that's who Jesus was. Which leads us into number three. He shared the scriptures in a timely manner. I, I just want to say la right there. Pause for a second. And I want you to, if you're taking notes, I, I hope you are. If you're taking notes, write that down. He shared the scriptures in a timely manner. Luke 24, 25 through 27. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning Himself. They still didn't recognize Him. He joined in their journey. He listened to their concerns. Then he identified their concerns. And he began to share with them. And this is awesome. He he doesn't need to do any studying here. Because he's sharing his own self. He is witnessing. He didn't have to go to Sunday school for this lesson. In other words. Jesus is just being a witness to himself. And he begins with the prophecies. All the way back to Moses. All the way up into present day. Of all the prophecies that had been fulfilled. About Jesus. I'm telling you. That. There is one book that is, is historically correct in every manner, and it's called the Bible. So Jesus is, is sharing, uh, 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 he's sharing the scriptures in a timely manner. In other words, he at that moment is sharing what they need to hear in the situation that they're in. Their concerns are about Jesus. Their concerns are about the Messiah. Their concern, concerns are about maybe their hope has been placed in the wrong place. And Jesus walks them through concerning everything of himself. You go to this next scripture, and I believe it's in Timothy, 2 Timothy 4.2. It says, Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. You notice this word, patience and grace, keeps coming up. So, so here, here's the, the here's the idea: when you are joining in someone's journey and you're listening to their concern, maybe they have a sick loved one or. Maybe they've experienced loss, or maybe they just went through a horrific divorce, or maybe maybe they're raising a teenager that's out in the world and they don't really know how to get grasp get get a grasp on this crazy world and how to raise their kids, or whatever it is. And you join in their journey and you listen to their concerns. Oh, how much life there's brought to the table when you share the scriptures of God in a timely manner in a due season when light enters into a dark situation. When the living Word of God enters into a situation in a timely manner, someone who is trying to raise a teenager doesn't need to be taught about eschatology. Or maybe they do because they're praying for end times to hurry up and come. (laughs) No, no. So Jesus models this for us. But how, how can we share the Scriptures with people if we don't know them? And how can we know them if we don't read them? Study the word of God. Don't just read it. Study it. So I don't know how to study it. Call the church. We'll get you some study material. Get online. There's study guides everywhere. There's no lack of resource in studying your Bible today. The only lack of resource is your time because it takes time. Know the word of God. Share the word of God. Because I'm telling you, when those around you go through dark times and those around you, when every answer that humanity has had or will ever have is answered in the word of God. Share the word of God in a timely manner. Share the word of God in due season. Be prepared to share the word of God with coworkers. Be prepared. I, I liken it under this. And if you don't fish, I'm sorry. But this is just how, this is where my, I'm really sorry. Fishers of men, right? We all. I I I don't get to go fishing that much anymore, but I used to fish a lot when we first moved here. It, it was it was interesting to learn how to fish, you know, the river. And and so my son was about eight or nine at the time. And when you have a a, a boy in the home and there's water near, you're just going to go fishing. That's just all there's to it. And so we taught ourselves how to fish the river and learned quickly that that you caught more fish if you got out of the boat and you waded around and. And, and I've, I've been on flats before and, and for two to three to four hours fished and fished and tried different baits and fished and fished and through live shrimp and through twitch, twitch baits and through gulp and through everything. And then, and about the time I'm, I'm ready to give up and this is having, having multiples times and I, I see the boat way back there. I know I got to walk back to the boat anyway. And so I pull out this, maybe the same kind of bait, just a different color. Like the same kind of little swim bait, but it's just got like a different color on the side of it. It's like, well, it's the only thing I hadn't tried, and and I've, I've literally put that on before. And on the way to giving up, threw back to where I've thrown multiple baits. Bam, redfish. That just sounds good to say. Glory to God. Woo. Take it off. Throw that thing on the way back. Wham, redfish. And and you start catching fish. With the smallest, why? Because I threw the bait that the fish were, they were hungry for that bait at that time of day, at that moment. Does that make sense? We need to be prepared to share the word of God in a timely manner with those around us because I assure you, friend, the world is hungry for truth. The world is hungry for truth. And, and this book always has the right color bait. It's up to us to share it in, the, in a timely manner. Being wise, being patient, being careful, encouraging. So this idea of, of we see Jesus entering into the journey. We see Jesus listening to their concerns. And then we see Jesus sharing the, the scriptures in a timely manner. And you would think the story, the, the story would stop there. And you would think, okay, these guys are, are going to get it. But Jesus then models a deeper level, which takes us to number four. He was willing to enter their lives at a deep level with no requirements. This is, where, this is where discipleship gets messy. This is where being a witness gets messy. This is where it gets messy because it takes our time. It gets messy because we have to be vulnerable. It gets messy because we have to be real with those around us. Verse 28, Luke chapter 24, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. I love this. He's just strolling on. It's getting dark. And they're like, what's this dude doing? Like, all right, so, so verse 29. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. They urged him. Why did they urge him? They urged him because there was something different about him. We, we learn in a moment their hearts burned inside of them, they said. They urged him because the word of God was being spoken to them in direct correlation for, for what they were worried about at the exact moment. They urged him because their hearts were on fire to hear more. They urged him because that, that grace and that salt, that seasoning had made them want more. And that's what we should be in this world. Making people thirsty for the living water. So they urged him strongly. They didn't just say, hey man, we got an extra bunk if you want to chill. If you want to crash until the morning. You're, it's cool, man. Whatever. But, you know, we're going to go because it's where we live. They urged him strongly. Stay with us for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. Wow. So, so we have Jesus journeying, uh, joining in their journey. And then we have him in this idea, so, so he listens to their concerns, he shares the word of God in a timely manner, and then he's willing to enter in their lives at a deeper level, with no requirements. Now let's just just, just use this as an illustration. He didn't say, "Hey, you know what, I will. What are you guys having for dinner?" You know what? I, um, I, you know what I might, but do you have a bed for me? And, and by the way, my, my show comes on tonight. So do you get dish or direct? Oh, how many times as Christ followers, we break God's heart because God sets it up for us. He just sets it up for us. And we go to enter into someone else's life at a deep level, but we do it within an agenda. And we do it trying to build a platform for ourselves instead of God's grace and God's love. We have all this baggage of requirements instead of just saying, sure, I'll come hang out. Yeah, that's what Jesus does. He just goes, yeah. For sure. Yeah, it's getting dark. That makes sense. Why don't we, why, why don't we do it? My mother's dad was a, a farmer. And he, he was an interesting man. Hard worker. And so the story goes, my mom's one of seven. And the story goes, a new preacher came to town. And my grandmother went to church every Sunday. Never Macedonian Baptist Church. My, my mom has one of the pew's. From that church. They, she has one of the pews when they, they tore the church down years ago. So, so I can remember spending some summers with my, my grandparents, and she would get us up on Sunday morning and scrub behind our ears and, you know, do whatever she could to make boys look the way, you know. Anyway, and she would take us to church. But my grandpa, he didn't, he didn't believe in God, he believed in hard work. Hard work was his God. He believed it. Now, he loved his family, he believed in providing for his family. And he believed in working hard. That's what he believed in. And that's what he did every day of his life. So a new preacher comes to town, wet behind the ears. And he notices Miss Jackson, Miss Velma Jackson, sitting alone. So one Sunday, he's, you know, how the preachers used to stand at the door in the back, you know, when they only had one service. And, <laughs> and they would get fresh vegetables fried chicken (laughs) anyway and so he asked miss jackson if she was a widower no i'm married well where's your husband he's in the fields well it's sunday he works every day so this young pastor thought hmm. and so the next week he asked my grandma do you think that he would mind if i paid him a visit And she looked at him and said, matter of factly, and said, If you if you think it's a good idea, you should ask God. (laughs) So he asked God. So he shows up Monday, day after Sunday, Monday, and and he goes to the house, knocks on the door, and my grandmother didn't say a word, she pointed. She just pointed. She would later share the story that she felt very sorry for that man at that moment. (laughs) So he goes back to what used to be 650 acres. He goes back over the hill, and there is my grandpa with two of the older boys in the field working the field. And he walks up to him, and he says, Mr. Jackson? And my grandpa never looks up. He said, yep. He said, I'm so-and-so. I'm the new pastor in town. My grandpa said, Yep. He said, I just came out to meet you, and I wanted to invite you to church. My grandpa said, Yep. He said, I'd love to have a word with you sometimes. Is there any time we could catch a cup of coffee or something like that? Grandpa said, Nope. So the young man turned and began to walk away, and my grandpa said, If you want to find me, I'll be here most every day. So the next day, this young preacher shows up in work clothes. And he comes alongside my grandpa and he says, Mr. Jackson? Yep. He said, I reckon we could spend some time together today if you could use an extra set of hands. Yep. <laughs> three days. My grandpa didn't say a word for three days. Was it about 15 years ago? They celebrated before they t- t- tore the church down, Macedonian Baptist Church. And they had some of the pastors that were still alive. And this man was like in his 80s. And he came back and he was honored, you know. But he was, he was a young man. Three days, my grandpa didn't say anything. Sunday's coming. Around about that third day mark, preacher looks at my grandpa and says, well, we had not had much conversation, have we? My grandpa said, no, but I've gotten some cheap, good cheap labor. <laughs> so I reckon I owe you some conversation. So they begin to talk. And he begins to ask questions. What did this young man do? He entered in my grandpa's journey. And as my grandpa began to ask questions, he listened. And as he would ask questions about God, he he would share the word of God. Not his opinion, but the word of God. And then he entered my grandpa's journey in a deeper level by going in work clothes every day. Until my grandpa finally opened up to him. He did this for 2 weeks. For 2 weeks, it was Friday, Saturday he knew he had to the preacher knew he had to prepare for Sunday. He's new in town, you know. So he's got to got to have a good sermon. And so on that Friday, the preacher looks at my grandpa and says, "Hey, I sure have enjoyed getting to know you. You are the hardest working man I've ever met." And my grandpa said, "Well, you're a good preacher." That's about as good as you were going to get out of my grandpa. And the preacher turned and said, well, just, just to remind you, church starts at so-and-so Sunday. And he said, I know what time church starts. So the preacher's like, man, yeah, he's going to come to church. He didn't show up. So that Monday, deeper, the preacher shows up again. I, I've got to hurry for time's sake. But it was two and a half weeks. It was on a Wednesday when my grandpa stopped working for the first time since the preacher had met him. He turned and he looked at him. And he said, I can tell you, you're one of the, besides my wife, you're one of the first people I've ever met. I can tell you believe in what you're talking about. And he said, I reckon it's about time I believe too. And they knelt in a cotton field that I've literally walked in many times as a boy. They knelt. I've seen this spot. My grandmother showed me this spot. They knelt right in that cotton field. And my grandpa gave his heart to the Lord. And from then on, he worked as hard for God as he did in that field. Never missing a day of church. All seven of those kids know Jesus Christ. Some are already with God in heaven. One was called into the ministry, just celebrated 48 years as a pastor. And, 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 and it was because a pastor was willing to go at a deeper level with no requirements. He did not have an agenda except for... For someone to know the love of God. He wasn't trying to build a platform except for someone to experience eternal salvation. And I'm asking you, my friend, because I see what's going on in our world today. There's no greater time than today for a Christian to be alive, to, to be a witness to who Jesus Christ is. And that man was a witness to who Jesus was to my grandfather. No one cares about your opinions. The world is hungry for truth. And this is truth. Seasoned with grace. Rebuking and encouraging. And I I guess, no, I don't guess. I'm I'm a byproduct because of what that preacher did for my grandpa. Because it wouldn't have mattered if my dad was a Christian or not. My mom would have taken me to church every day of her life. Just so happened that my dad was. And I guess, I guess you could say one day you may meet that preacher in heaven and say, hey, I, I guess some way, somehow I'm kind of a byproduct because your grandson came to this weird place called the Space Coast, planned a church. I believe that's how heaven's going to be. I believe when we connect the dots, we're going to get to spend hundreds and thousands of years with people that we never got to meet before. Oh, how important it is to join in someone's journey and how important it is to listen to their concerns. How important it is to know the word of God so we can share it in a timely manner. How important it is to be willing to enter someone's journey at a deeper level with no requirements. And then the last thing is what Jesus models for us as the perfect witness. He was patient with them until they saw the truth. He was patient with them until they saw the truth. And some of you won't get this because you've not been working with anybody in your life trying to, to, to win them over to the Lord. But some of you really get this. Well, it, it will test your, people will test your patience when it comes to trying to get them to understand God, won't they? Luke 24, 30, 32. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread. Now, this I love. Have you ever had a dinner guest to come over to your house and, like, take your food and serve it to you? This is awesome. This is why you've got to read the Bible and think about it. Stuff that's really happening. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. So he's a guest in their house, and he takes their bread. He breaks it, and he starts serving them. And we know it wasn't the first time he had done this because, verse 31, at that very moment, at that very moment after he had endured the journey and after he had shared the word and after he had entered into their home, after he had entered their lives in a deeper level, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Wow. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They recognized him and at that moment, he vanished from their sight, and oftentimes, and this question comes from our children many times. And it came from my kids, and probably your kids too, right around that age—six, seven, eight years old. Why, why doesn't God just show us Himself? And how come Jesus? How come we can't touch Jesus? And how come? And that's where you get to teach your children about faith, and 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 and, and how it takes faith, and faith is believing in the things that are unseen, and faith, and Jesus. He he walked with them until the moment that they realized who He was and He vanished from their sight. And they say these amazing words, were our hearts not burning within us. Let let, let me just tell you this. The world is so hungry for truth that if you'll share the truth, the Word of God with them, it will ignite an insatiable hunger inside of their heart and something will burn inside of them and they they will want to be around you because that Word is seasoned with grace and, and it's in due time. They will want to be around you because you're sharing who Jesus really is and if people know who Jesus really is they want that Jesus wow you know I spoke of the Bible being the most reliable historical book and all the prophecies that were given to Jesus coming as the Messiah and dying were fulfilled and you'll never find a historian that will argue the fact that there was a man named Jesus. He was a great teacher and a great prophet. There's no arguing the fact that Jesus existed. You can't argue that one. There's no one. Even people who don't believe in God, believe, they know that Jesus existed. Every prophecy leading up to what he did was fulfilled. Three, 300 of them were fulfilled. Do you know that there are over three times as many prophecies about his second coming is there were his first. So that gets me excited because every, every one of the ones about him coming were fulfilled. So why do we struggle so much with the second coming of Jesus? He's coming back. Jesus Christ is coming back. I had an interesting week and I was on the phone with one of my best friends and we were talking and I, I kind of figured he, he, we, we were just encouraging one another. And he said these words to me. He said, you know what, Jason? He said, we were all born yesterday and we're all dying tomorrow. And again, that's not going to sell many books. <laughs> not going to find that in the Christian bookstore. But isn't that so true? Let, let's look at what Peter said about this. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, is, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Speaking of the second coming. As some understand slowness, instead he is, there's that word again, patient with you. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In other words, God has entered your journey by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus is coming back because Peter goes on to talk about Jesus coming like a thief in the night. So, so this idea of God wanting to be a part of your journey. And friend, let me tell you, maybe you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. Maybe you don't know Him. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Never, maybe you've never put your faith in Him like my grandpa did that day in the cotton field. You can do that today. God wants to enter your journey right where you're at today. You don't have to clean up. don't have to change. You don't have to do certain right where you're at today. Just as you are today. Whosoever will. That means you and I. Right where we're at today. He wants to enter in your journey. He cares about your concerns. He knows where you're at. He knows when a hair falls from, from your head. And he loves you. He loves you so much he sent his only son to die for you. And he's coming back for us one day. I know this message has been primarily to those of us who have an opportunity as Christ's followers to express who Jesus really is in troubling times. But maybe you don't know. Maybe this is the first time you've heard that Jesus. That Jesus that is not condemning you, that Jesus that's loving you today. So much so, he died on a cross for you. He's crucified. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you want to do that today, I would absolutely, it would be my honor to pray with you. Would you bow your head all over this place? No one's moving around unless you have to. say, Jason, that's me. I I can't really point to a time. I can't really, I don't, I can't point to a moment in time of where I've given my heart to Jesus that I I know that I know that I know that I know Jesus Christ is my personal savior. Salvation is a faith issue. The Bible says we've all been given a measure of faith. What you do with your faith is between you and God. You're going to put your faith in something. And so the question today is, have you put your faith in Jesus as the Messiah? Have you put your faith in, in Jesus Christ as the one who came, who lived a sinless life? Have you done that? If, you, if, if you've not done that, what an awesome day to do that. Say, Jason, that's me. I need Jesus. I need a change in my life. Maybe you're like a couple, two people last night that, that accepted Christ. Maybe that's you. I need Jesus Christ in my life. I need a change. Would you just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? Put it right back down and say, I need Jesus in my life. I know I do. All over this place. He wants to join your journey right where you're at. For the rest of us in this room right now. Father, challenge us. Challenge us to be the people that you've called us to be. Challenge us this week to study your word, Lord. God, lead people across our path that we can interact with, God, that need, need your word in a timely manner. Lord, challenge us to enter in someone's journey at a deeper level. And give us the grace to do that. Give us the patience to do that. Give us God opportunities this week as we walk along in our own journey. In Jesus' name, Amen.